As you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. High five someone around you. High five them. Man, Avery, did she knock it out of the park? Wow. Gee, thanks. Now I have to follow that. I really appreciate that. And does a great, great job with that. What a great series we've had this month. We've been talking about forgiveness. We've been talking about not living offended. And what a powerful, powerful series it is. We've been asking questions every week. The first week we asked a question, do I have the right to be offended? If someone slaps me, if someone steals something from me, if someone takes something from me, do I have the right? Can I be offended? Can I be mad? Can I let it get into my heart? What we discussed and discovered was this. We don't have the right, but we have the opportunity. And unfortunately, there's many opportunities for it to get into our heart. Last week, we talked about how can I forgive? But Pastor Philip, you don't know what they've done. It's a big one. There is no way. It's their fault. I'm not ready to do that yet. I want them to suffer. Anyone ever want someone to suffer for doing something wrong to you? Come on. We're in church. You can be honest in church. You know know what I'm talking about. You want them to suffer because you want them to hurt a little bit more. You know one thing I've realized about sufferers this? They may suffer, but you definitely will suffer. They may, but you definitely will. How do we know that? Because your forgiveness from God is dependent upon you forgiving. If you want God to forgive you, you've got to forgive. Look at this scripture, Mark 11 verse 26. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So the sooner definitely the better it is for each and every one of us if we've got unforgiveness in our hearts and in our lives. We need to make it right. And we need to remind ourselves of the sin debt that God forgave each and every one of us from. And today I want to talk about another question. Are you ready? Here's the question number three. Post-forgiveness. After I've forgiven, what do I do now? How do I act? What is required of me? What do I expect? Pastor, this is new for me. What do I expect? I want to start with this. Are you ready? Look at this statement. What we expect may not may be different to what we receive, but we must never stop doing it. When I say sorry to someone, I want someone to say sorry back, but how many knows that doesn't always happen? So what I'm expecting to happen, well, I've forgiven them, so now they have to forgive me. That doesn't always happen. So when I don't get what I expect, what must I do? I've got to keep giving. I've got to keep forgiving. I cannot allow their response to become my response. Because when we do, guess what? It's going to keep us from God. I'm so glad that God's the one that forgives me and not someone else. Because His forgiveness is real. 
His forgiveness is true. But let me remind you again, forgiveness is one-sided. Why? Because it's not between you and them, it's between you and God. It's that you need to make it right before God. Because if you're waiting for them, you may never get it. But when God gives it, you have it. And it's yours and there's freedom and forgiveness. A lot of people think that forgiveness is like this magic wand. Anyone ever seen like a magic wand? And you like wave it and you go abracadabra. And then all of a sudden the circumstances and situation, it just absolutely changes. It doesn't always happen. But I tell you what will happen every time. Your freedom. Your future. Your life. And as you forgive other people, it opens the door that God can be able to touch their lives too. And God can make a difference in someone else's life. So, so now, Pastor, what, what does it look like? What do I have to do? Help me, please. Because does that mean I need to write them a letter? Does that mean I need to go and talk? Pastor, what's going on? Help me with all of this because I've got so many questions because I'm worried about things. I'm thinking about things because, hold on a second, if it means that, then it means this and that. Oh, no, 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 I just cannot do it. So many times the obstacles of worry and what it looks like stops us from asking for forgiveness. You know what we're talking about? Many of us are worried. If I forgive them, then I'm going to let them off scot-free. It's like I'm excusing what they've done and they wronged me. They hurt me. For some people, you may say it's more serious. You may say if I forgive them, it makes me vulnerable again because now I'm opening myself up to them again. And I can't open myself up to that again. I can't put my kids in that situation again. I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to. You don't have to. There's no way that I can let go. There's no way I can talk to them. I mean, do I really have to sit down and talk to them? That's kind of awkward. Especially since they're the one that needs to be talking to me because I did nothing wrong. They were the one that did something. Here's a massive one that can stop a lot of people. How can I forgive someone who's dead? Maybe a parent, maybe a grandparent, someone that has done something to you is dead. And you're like, how can I forgive them? You forgive them by giving it to God and letting God heal your heart. And there's so many great questions and so many great concerns and thoughts. And they're real to you and I understand that. And I want to give you an an illustration because I think this helps a lot. And I've talked about this before. You know, I can go next door into my neighbor's yard. And he's got this big bad dog. And I can go in that yard and I can play with that dog. But guess what? Ow! That dog bit me. Ow! Wow, it was so sore and it hurt so bad. Can I tell you right now that I can forgive that dog without going back in that yard again? I can forgive that dog from my side of the fence. That's safe right there. Because he can jump at me all he wants. You're not touching me anymore. Because I can forgive from my side of the fence. Why? Because now I've forgiven him, but now I have wisdom. My wisdom says, if I go back in that yard, that dog's probably going to bite me again and it's really going to hurt. But I can have wisdom and say, nice dog, nice dog, but I'm going to say it from my side of the fence. Because, buddy, you ain't going to bite me again. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You're not going to chomp on me again. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but forgiveness is not always reconciliation. It's not always things back how they were before. 
and we're going to discuss that further. But I want to look at four things that I believe post-forgiveness is. Are you ready? Post-forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is an exercise. It's like an exercise. Come on, when you're exercising, you're, you're running, you're, you're doing weights, you're, you're, you're stretching yourself, you're doing all this. Paul talks about forgiveness like this. Look what he says in Acts 24, 16. And we're going back to the King James Version. Come on, we're now, we're now going to feel God in this house. Are you ready? And herein I do exercise myself. No, play. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. What did he say? I exercise myself to make sure that I don't have anything in my heart against God and I better not have anything in my heart also against other people, against men. New King James says, I always strive to. New Living Translation says, I always try to maintain. The message, Barabbas says, I do my level best. In other words, I'm exercising something. It doesn't come natural at first and I don't want to do it and it's hard and it's painful at times, but I'm putting it to work and I'm exercising it and I'm just doing it any way. In the natural, when we exercise our bodies, do you know they tell us we're less prone injury. We're, we're less prone to be injured. That if we stretch properly, if you ever worked out or you've gone to play a game, you've got to stretch some things before you... The older you get, the more you've got to stretch. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You used to be able to just run out and just run all day and it was like, I'm just like jelly and everything's good. Now if I run out to the mailbox without kind of stretching before I go to the mailbox, I'm pulling a muscle. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and opening that mailbox, man, you can pull your shoulder muscle out. You've got, to do some, you've got to do some exercises before you... Oh, there you go. I'm ready to go. But Paul speaks about how we've got to exercise our heart to forgive. It can be hard sometimes because we don't want to. But we've got to keep working on it. We've got to keep working on it. Vine's Dictionary says this of the word exercise. It means to take a pain, to endeavor... To exercise by training and discipline. There's going to be some pain. I'm going to have to endeavor through it. But what am I doing? I'm training my life and I am disciplining my life. We know what it's like to forgive some people. Some people it's easy to forgive. I mean, come on. I mean, it's hard, isn't it? When, when they give... Come on, guys. You know what it's like when those girls look at you with those puppy eyes and go... hard to be mad at them sometimes. And we know some people it's really hard to be mad with and it doesn't take long. We just say sorry, we're high-fiving like in the playground when someone kind of trips you up and then you fall and then, but they're your best friend and they come over to you and say, man, I'm really sorry. And you're like, yeah, right. Okay. High-five. Give them a hug. And then you go back to playing again. Okay, go, okay. It's really easy sometimes, but sometimes it can be hard and it's an exercise. We've got to keep working on it and keep working on it and keep conditioning ourselves and our hearts so that we do not allow any permanent damage to be done in our lives. So how can I have a forgiving heart? I've got to let go. I can't be cynical. I can't be bitter. I've got to exercise. I've got to allow God to make my heart soft and pliable. Here's the second thing about forgiveness. Are you ready? What happens after forgiveness? Those thoughts can come back. Has anyone ever had forgiveness relapse? 
Anyone ever had that, that you're like, man, it's okay, we're, we're friends again. And then you go home and like, no, we're not. What's up with that? What happened? They stole something from me. I'm not going to be there for it. Let me just pick up the phone and tell them what exactly. Anyone ever had post-forgiveness relapse? We all have it. We can be driving in our car and those feelings can just resurface out of nowhere. And all of a sudden we're getting angry again and we don't even know why we're getting angry. We're mad again because we think, how dare they do that to me? Who do they think? that? Who do they, man, who am I? What do they think I am? It doesn't take long. But I want to tell you right now, are you ready? Just because those thoughts and feelings come back doesn't mean that you haven't released them and forgiven them. In fact, many times I believe it is because you have forgiven them. Because the enemy wants you to take that offense up again. The enemy, he's the accuser. He wants to come back and fill your minds and your thoughts with all these things. Because he doesn't want you to live in the victory. So many times I think when you have those thoughts come back, it's not because you haven't forgiven them. It's because the enemy wants you to take that offense up again. We can't be ignorant of the devices of Satan. And what he wants to do. Why? Because he wants to bait us. Because when he gets us to take the bait, bam, we're going to be snapped in the trap. And we're going to be caught. And someone who's free from that, what's Satan doing? He's like moving the trap around. He's like following you with the trap. He's like coming. Because he's like, hold on a second. He's trying to get your attention. For what reason? He wants you to take that bait again. So, bam, you're going to be caught in that trap. Again, hey, I'm just going to help some of you. Are you ready? Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. At times we can forget. At times it's easy to forget. But I'm telling you right now, forgiveness across the board is not, is not measured up against if you haven't forgotten, then you haven't forgiven. That's not true. You've got to realize that there's some things that have done that you're going to have the memory of those things just because of the fact you're a human being. And we remember things. And it's amazing, isn't it? Why do we remember the things we don't want to remember? And forget the things that we do need to remember. Why is it that we can remember that bad word that that kid said on the bus coming home, but we can't remember our lunch to school tomorrow? Come on now, I'm preaching that. Why is it that a kid can watch an hour-long show and the only thing they remember is that bad word that someone said in a whole hour? They remember the things they don't need to remember and forget the things that are important. But what forgiveness does mean is this. Are you ready? You may not forget it, but that thing does not hold you anymore. That when that thought comes back, you're not... Anymore, You're like, that's okay. I'm over that. I'm past that. I'm bigger than that. I am beyond that. Why? Because we can't erase things. But listen to me. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, listen to me. We can't erase things, but we can replace things. We can replace those memories with happy thoughts. We can change the channel. Look what Philippians says. Because God's Word always has the answer. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, And dear brothers and sisters, here's one final thing I want to tell you. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about all things that are excellent 
and worthy of praise. So when the enemy comes in and tries to make you remember, come on, think on the good things. Think on the fact that God's forgiven me, that He loves me. Think about the fact that I've got a great church family. Think about the fact that I've got health and strength, that God got me out of bed this morning. Think about the fact that I've got some clothes to wear today. Man, we're thankful you had some clothes today to wear. Can I just tell you? We're really thankful for that. Be thankful for those things. And 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 reminds us of this too, that we've got to capture those rebellious thoughts. And teach them to obey Christ. We've got to bring our minds into captivity. In other words, we've got to control our minds so our mind will not control us. You know how the devil plays? Can I tell you how the devil plays? Are you ready? doesn't matter if you're the youngest or the oldest. He plays the same way each and every time. The devil wants to remind you of all the wrong that you've done. He wants to remind you of your past. He's really good at that. Why is that? I I asked myself one day, why does the devil always want to talk about my past? And I've realized this. The reason why the devil wants to talk about my past is because his past is the best part of his life. Because he can talk about one day when he was in heaven before he was dethroned. He can talk about all those things. Because the devil don't like his future. Because he knows that one day he's going to be bound and thrown into hell for eternity. The devil's not going around saying, oh, I love my future, I love my future. He has to talk about the past because that's his best days. That's why the enemy wants to keep you in the past. But they may be his best days, but they ain't your best days. Your best days start today, moving on into your future. Can I show you something about the relapse and going back to try and not forget and remember those things? Remember the first week we talked about Joseph. Anyone remember when we talked about Joseph? We talked about the story of Joseph. We talked about everything Joseph went through. If you've never read the story of Joseph, it's pretty incredible. His brothers hated him. They sold him as a slave. As a slave, he went to prison and then in prison for many years was forgotten. Just so many twists and turns to his life. But his life started with a dream. He had a dream. And one day he dreamed and he saw corn standing up and then it bowed down to one. And then he saw the stars and the moon and the sun. And he saw them bowing down. And they weren't just bowing down to anyone. They were bowing down to him. He had a dream. He didn't ask for that dream. God gave him that dream. But his dream was the reason why he was so hated. So hated. But yet he did not allow that hatred to get into his heart. He kept himself free because there was opportunity every day in jail and in prison and being a slave. He had every day to get mad and angry, but every day he threw it aside. How do we know this? Because at the end of his life, Genesis 50, 19 and 20, his brothers are standing before him. They're the ones that did it to him. They're the ones that hurt him. They're the ones that kicked him when he was down. They're the ones that sold him and really did him over really bad. But Joseph stands before him and he says to them, don't be afraid, I'm in the place of God. What you meant for evil, look what Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but can I tell you right now, God meant it for good. God has used this situation and is using this situation 
He placed his destiny in God's hands and not in man's. He freed himself from the trap of unforgiveness, revenge, retaliation and bitterness. And we see this further. Listen to the story of Joseph. So Joseph is now second in charge in Egypt and he has some kids. He gets married. He has kids. Look at the story. You can read it along with us. Genesis 41 verse 50 and 52. And it says, And Joseph and two Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. Who Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of Oni, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. Say with me, Manasseh. Yeah. Look what Manasseh means. For God has made me to forget all my toil and my father's house. Who was in his father's house? His brothers that did him wrong. So Joseph names his kids. You see, back in Bible days, they named their kids for meanings. It's not like now we just have this favorite name or, or, or we, we, we just kind of, oh, that would be cool. Let me put that together. Oh, that's a cool name. It's not with no meaning. There was great meaning in what they called their kids. So every time Joseph looked at his son, he was reminded, I have what? Forgotten everything that they have done to me. You know what probably happened in his mind? Can I tell you right now? That every time he tried to forget, I'm sure some things came back into his mind every time he looked at his son. Every time there was an opportunity. But the Bible says he had another son, verse 52. And the name of his second son he called Ephraim or Ephraim. Why? Because he says, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I forget And now I am fruitful. But watch what happens when God is included. Because that's the best we can do. We can just name our kids. We can just be. That's the best we can do in our lives. We can't change situations. But God can. And one day Joseph's father Jacob wanted to bless his children. That was the thing that they did back then. They would bless their children. And look what it says, Genesis 48, 13. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand, towards Israel's left hand. And Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right hand. And they brought him, or brought them near him. Rob, can you just come and sit up here for me? Can we turn these lights on up here, Bobby? That would be great. Can you just sit on the front of that? I want to illustrate this to you today. Is that okay? I just want to show this to you today. I want some help here. Can I have some help? Let me have. Can, I ha- can, can you help me? Can you come up here? Come up here. Jack, can you come and help me too? All right, just stand here with me. Stand here. Stand up. Can you stand up? He's sitting down. He's the old man. He gets to sit down. <laughs> I want to show you something. Are you ready? Here's my firstborn, Manasseh. That's the one of forgetting. Remember? God has called me to forget. Here's my youngest son. This is Jack. Okay. Now watch this. Give you step down here with me. Excuse my back, but we're going to illustrate something right now. You ready? Come over here. Come over here. All right, watch this. The scripture says Joseph took them both. Ephraim was on Joseph's right hand. Okay? Ephraim was on his left hand. The reason why he would do this is because in the father's right hand I've got them wrong 
There you go. I'm, I'm, I'm dyslexic. Can anyone tell? For some of you, you were just enjoying it. You were like with me. I'm, I'm with you. We've got this. We've got this. We've got this. We've got this. All right? So think about this, okay? He takes them. Because the Bible says Ephraim was on his right hand. Sorry, I read it backwards. And Manasseh was on Joseph's left. So when he presents them to his father, just step forward a second. When he presents them to the father, this hand here contained the blessing. The blessing would then be placed upon the oldest child's head. Because the blessing of that day, can I explain this to you? The blessing of that day meant you were in charge. It meant you got the keys to the Porsche. You got the keys to the house. You got the bank accounts. You got everything. And the only thing that your brothers and others around you would have is whatever you were gracious enough to give them. Man, you got it all. You got the blessing of God. But notice the next verse. Go to the next verse and just listen. You ready? Look what this next verse says. Then Israel, which is Jacob, he stretched out his... Move, step up a second. He stretched out his right hand and he laid it on Ephraim's head. Then he took his left hand and he placed it upon Manasseh's head. Keep them on. Keep them like that. Okay? But notice what the Bible says. He guided his hands knowingly. Say with me, knowingly. knowingly. Why? Because he knew Manasseh was the firstborn. But where's the promise? Where's the blessing? The blessing is not being given to him. Next verse. Look what it says. Verse 17. Now when Joseph saw this, he said, hold on a second, Dad. Take those off. Take those off. You've done it wrong. It's this way. It's this way. He took his hands to remove them and to place them right. But look at verse 19. But his father refused and said, no. I know. Say with me, I know. I know. know." And then he says, he's also going to be blessed. But this is the one where the true blessing. Can I just focus on a couple of words? The Bible says that Jacob did it knowingly. Can I tell you right now, Jesus died on a cross knowingly of all the sins that you and I were going to do in our lives. He went anyway. He knew the offense. He knew the opportunities that we would take not to forgive people. He knowingly knew all those things. Why? Because the next no, he says, I know my son. Why? God knows you. God knows the fact that you don't want to forgive. God knows the fact that you don't want to let go. But I want you to see something right now. Because what did Jacob do when he did this? He wasn't just blessing the right people. Notice what he did. Notice what you see. Can I tell you right now? Because of the cross. When he crossed his hands, it was a type of Christ upon the cross. Why? What am I saying? We want to be able to forget what people do in our lives. And many times we can't forget, so we can't get to the fruitfulness of what God has in our lives. But God says through the cross, let me see fruit be produced in your life and such blessing in your life that you will not remember those things anymore. I don't know about you, but I'm glad of the cross. You can go and sit down. Thank you. Why? Because I can't always forget. But you know what God wants to do through His forgiveness? He wants to make me be so fruitful and blessed that my life now because of the cross 
Those memories don't hold me and haunt me anymore. But now I see the blessing of God on my life. Look around you today. God's blessing is all around you. Why do you want to shrink that blessing down to the thoughts of wrong and ill harm against someone else? I threw the cross. I threw the cross. Jesus speaks about that forgiveness. He speaks about that as like a woman that's having a baby. Look what he says, John 6, 21. It says, then they willingly What's it said? There is. No, that's not the one. They didn't willingly receive him into a boat. John 6 21 says, A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer rem- remembers the anguish, for she holds that child in her arms. Come on, as a lady has a baby, it's not the nicest thing, it's a painful thing. But as soon as she holds that baby in her arms, all that pain is forgotten because she is holding the fruit. That's what God wants to do in your life. Make you so fruitful that you will forget the pain and the anguish of the past. Almost done. Number three. Forgiveness makes you a peacemaker. Makes you a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9 says this. Blessed are all the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. Notice the Bible didn't say that you're a peacekeeper. You're a peacemaker. What do we know about a peacekeeper? A peacekeeper is someone who wants to avoid all kinds of confrontation at any cost because they just want to maintain peace, even at the risk of compromising the truth. They just want peace. Oh, I want a peace, 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 peace. God didn't say that we're going to have peace wherever we go, but God says wherever we go, we need to carry peace. We need to be the peacemaker. So what does that mean? Maybe we need to set up a meeting with those people who have wronged us and say, hey, I want you to look you square in the eye and I want to tell you right now I forgive you. Maybe we need to write a letter. Maybe we need to email. Maybe we need to pick up the phone and call. And I'm telling you why. It's just going to be as releasing and victorious for them as it is going to be for you. Why? Because your freedom has come from Christ, yes, no matter what they do, your forgiveness is from Christ, but it can bring healing to both sides. The Bible tells us, Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. God wants you to be a peacemaker. If there's someone that you haven't forgiven, the Bible says, leave your gift and go make it right. Be a peacemaker. Make peace with people. Oh, Pastor Philip, hold on a second. What if it's their fault? Why should I go from them? I'm telling you why you should go for them. Because your forgiveness still cancels the debt. Because they're wrong now is your wrong because it's in your heart. And you've got to get it right and let go of it. And forgiveness is the only way to do that. And last but not least, forgiveness makes you free. Forgiveness makes you free. Well, I don't know if I can do it. You want to be bad? Forgiveness makes you Free, Mark eleven twenty five. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone that you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Notice this: the guarantee is this: He'll forgive when. I said He'll forgive when. He'll forgive when you forgive. Unforgiveness will hold you bound. You should have got a sheet when you came in today. You should have been handed a sheet. If you didn't, you can grab one on the way out. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this Wednesday night. Who's going to be with us Wednesday night? You need to be here. We're going to have an unforgiveness, a forgiveness debrief on, on Wednesday night. 
We want you to be emailing your questions in. You can do that through the online. You can go on our website. You can email your questions. You can email them to us. You can post them. We want to get all your questions that you have so on Wednesday night we can answer every question and then we can just close that whole series on Wednesday night with a time of prayer that we're really praying for you. But I want to give you seven things just really quickly what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Are you ready? What forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. If you've got your sheets, you can follow along. Look at this. Forgiveness is, number one, it's a cancellation or canceling a debt. That's the blank right there. Canceling is the blank. The word in bold is the blank on your sheet. What is forgiveness? It's canceling a debt. Accepting that once and for all, God paid the price for you on the cross. Number two, what is forgiveness? It's removing that person's control. Control is the blank from over your life. They're not controlling my life anymore. Do you realize someone else controls your life if you have unforgiveness? You're releasing control because forgiveness releases both ways. Come on, when we choose not to forgive, we allow their sin to be our sin, giving them control over their lives. Here's number three. You ready? Forgiveness is a gift. Say with me, gift. It's a gift for them and for you. The blank there is gift. It's a gift. It works both ways. It's a gift for your life, but it's a gift for their life and a new beginning for them. Number four, forgiveness is forsaking revenge. Revenge is the blank. It's taking it out of your hands and placing it into the hands of God. It's removing all bitterness from them. Number five, forgiveness is leaving the ultimate judgment. Judgment is the blank to God. God says in Romans 12 verse 19, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God says, I'll take care of it if you trust me. Number six, look at this one. Forgiveness is both a decision and a process, a process. That's the blank. It's a decision, but now I have to exercise that decision. I need to keep that decision going in my life. I need to exercise that each and every day. And it can be a series of decisions. It begins a process that you must stick to. You must choose never to pick up again what you've laid down. And number seven, here's what forgiveness is. You'll know you've forgiven someone when you want good for them. Good is the last flag. Here's what I really believe that you need to do. If you've forgiven someone, you need to pray for them in the same way that you pray the blessing of God over your life. Because just like we saw today, if not, you're going to have a core. You're going to be given something that you don't want yourself. You need to pray the blessing of God upon them. The Bible tells us that, that within Matthew, we've got to pray for those that despitefully use us. Pray for those that come against us. And quickly, seven things that forgiveness is not. Are you ready? Just quickly. Forgiveness, it is not denying, that's the blank, or diminishing the sin. Well, if I forgive them, then it never happened. No, I didn't say that. Because what took place really happened. It's serious. But what did we come to the conclusion two weeks ago? We've all been wrong. Can we just accept that? We have all been wrong. But someone else's wrong becoming our wrong will make us all wrong. Where God came to make us all right. All right. Seven things forgiveness is not. Number two, it is not enabling them. That's a massive one there, and that's why we're going to talk more about these on Wednesday. It's not enabling them. It's not giving them a license again to get off free of charge and to become a repeat offender. 
Number three, it's not a response to an apology. Many times people's forgiveness is just a response. Well, they're forgiven, so I'm just going to do it without even thinking. I have to forgive someone no matter their response. Why? Because it's a heart thing, not a response thing. It's something that I must do in my heart. I've got to first repent so God can give me the compassion for them. Number four, it's not the covering up of sin. Covering is the blank. Well, if I forgive them, I'm telling you right now, and we're going to talk more about this Wednesday, if someone has broken the law against you, then that's not something that needs to be covered up. That's something that needs to be dealt with, even for the protection of other people around. Because if something has been done wrong, it needs to be exposed and it needs to be brought to justice. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Because we're protecting others, not just our own lives. Number five, it's not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting, but here's what it is, reversing. It's turning that thing back around. We may never forget, but we can be free from the hold it has on our life. Number six, it's not trust automatically. Trust is the blank. Well, if I forgive them, bam, I've just got to have that trust relationship. Listen, trust can be lost instantly and regained very slowly, if ever. And number seven, it's not always reconciliation doesn't mean you go back to your old ways. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's how it used to be. In times, and there can be, thank God. But other times, it cannot be. I know that's a lot of information today. But what I'm saying is this. How does my life need to look after I have forgiven someone? I need to make sure that that forgiveness doesn't come, unforgiveness doesn't come back in any way. But that I keep forgiving. And I keep loving. Why? Because if I forgive other people, God's going to forgive me. Would you bow your heads all over this place today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.